Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know, and we'll catch you next time. I want to welcome you to Hillside. One announcement or serving opportunity we wanted to add to the serving dashboard is we've had a great response. We appreciate your response this past couple weeks in being able to do the gift cards and write personal notes to the teachers over at Friendship Elementary. Well, we just thought this week we ought to expand that because we uh, have a good relationship with Freedom Elementary and then there's a Caprock Elementary that we also feel like we want to bless our bless our uh, teachers over there. So we have some funds to be able to buy the gift cards, but we, what, what we really could use help with this week is a few people that could write, there's something about writing a personal note to those teachers and just saying, hey, we're praying for you, we're encouraging them. So we could use some card writers this week. So if that's something you enjoy doing, if we could get 10 to 15 people that would help with that, we could knock those 100 out, 50-50 for each elementary school and knock them out pretty quickly. So that's out on the serving dashboard, or you can go out to the connect area and say, hey, sign me up, and they'll get you the, the cards, and just writing that piece of encouragement would be really helpful uh, as uh, teachers are back this week, and then the kids are back next week. So um, last week we started, Jill and I, started a little two-week series on parenting, Yes, and we said it was for everyone. If you're single, if you're married, if, you're, um, if you have little kids or you don't have any kids or whatever like that, or there's some things that we've learned through 30 years of being parents, but then some things that we wish that we had learned 30 years before we had kids. And, um, you know, we're at a fun stage now where I think we showed this picture last week. This is our granddaughter. Um, she's about almost two years old, but it's a fun stage to be in as grandparents now uh, and to be able to form and, and kind of direct that life. And as Jill said, you know, you almost look at 30 years of parenting and you can really relate to the statement that I read last week about days are long, but the years are short. And boy, you feel that uh, now that we've been in the parenting business, I guess, for 30 years. So um, this week, we want to really pick, off, pick up where we left off last week and look uh, specifically more this week about how you spiritually develop our ch- children. And remember this state, oh, we didn't go through our kids. Yeah. yeah. We should <laughs> kind of go our background. So we have three daughters that are now 29, 26, 23 uh, Abby, Illis, and Avery, this is when they were uh, very young. Uh, I think that was at the Galleria Mall years ago. You can see how young I look. Um, and then here they are last Christmas with our granddaughter, and we've add two, added two sons-in-law now, so we're very blessed and uh, find out we're having a second grandchild, finally a boy. Thank God. God has answered my prayer. We're having a grandson, which is just a blessing. So... Um, when we talked about, this is kind of a theme statement from Andy Stanley that we shared last week um, that I think is really important, especially as we get into your child's spiritual development. And Andy says, your behavior as a parent, not your words or advice, whether, will, will determine whether your children uh, will want to be like you or even be with you in the future. So to remember that we are watched 24-7, and this week we would like to talk more about the spiritual development of your children. And as we talked about last week, when you look at the spiritual development, um, 
especially the Old Testament, we have more examples of dysfunctional families than we do functional families. Um, and so it doesn't give us a lot of good specific parenting teaching, but, but it does, but biblically, does give us some good scriptures and biblical teaching on it. Uh, and as we talked last year, last week, Jesus really didn't teach specifically about parent, parenting, but he laid a foundation of New Testament behavior. Remember this verse last week we looked at real quickly um, related to uh, the night before Jesus goes to the cross and he's around his disciples at the Last Supper and he says this, a new command, which is a radical statement in the Jewish culture to say a new command I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. So it's a bold statement and Jesus said, I've been hanging out with you guys for o- over three years now. Um, look at how I've loved, what, look at how I've, how, what I've done and, and what you've seen and what, what you've heard and uh, is really a, a pretty radical statement. And so, um, and that's what we talked last week and, and always share that even if you haven't crossed the line of faith, where you are in your spiritual journey and maybe haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that looking at Jesus and his teachings and his behavior will make you a better person. And we think in this setting today, you know, looking at how Jesus loved will make you a better parent. Okay, so Jesus shows his love. He models it all through the New Testament. And so if you're looking for the love chapter, what we've heard at weddings in 1 Corinthians 13, we started there. So we're going to use 1 Corinthians 13 with all relationships. And so last week we started, love is patient. Yeah, and we talked last week about patience is kind of going at another person's pace. You know, I shared, you know, with a granddaughter now, being able to slow that pace down. And as we mentioned, um, you know, there's a, a verse that Paul used in Colossians 3.21 saying, Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. And you look at the Greek word for exasperate there, it really talks about don't irritate uh, kind of don't find perpetual fault in your children so that they become discouraged and disheartened, similar to what we'll look at later today when Paul says, love keeps no record of wrongs. So that we don't continually stay on our children and move so fast, and if we do, sometimes they get discouraged because they can't stay up. And so then the second thing in 1 Corinthians, it says, love is kind. And Jesus, of course, showed that. And kindness is connected to um, how we really respond um, when our children mess up. So um, do we get angry? Do we, do we blow up? Or are we forgiving to our children? And so last week we talked about that term, um, reality discipline, letting the reality of what our kids have done sort of discipline them. And so like we gave the illustration of Avery getting a speeding ticket, and it was like, oh, bummer. But she had to pay for it, and she had to take that wonderful little class online that I'm sure all of us have taken a few times in our life that isn't very fun. So as much as we can give grace as much as possible um, when you relate to love is kindness, you know, because you look at it, and Jesus gave us grace. You know, while we were yet sinners, Christ died, Christ died for us. So Then the next one um, in, in 1 Corinthians is love does not envy, and it does not boast, and it doesn't it isn't proud. And we talked about not comparing siblings with each other or to other peers and things like that. And to be sure that our child's self-worth, that their identity is in Christ and it's not really connected to their performance. And then last week we talked about um, 
uh, that love does not dishonor others, um, and that we really talked about honor being one of the best things and, and one of the things you can emphasize so much in your home. And it is really at the center of one of, again, this text we're going to look at today, Ephesians 6, 2, where it's talking to the children. It says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So you see how that's so important. We talked about building honor in the rhythm of your home, you know? And I told you that Andy Stanley example where I just think that's a great thing. I wish Dave had done that. Yeah, 30 years. Wish you. But, you know, the whole, to have an idea that when you're getting ready to sit down, you all stand up. Uh, you have everyone stand up until mom sits down. And it's funny that, you know, they had their, their friends' kids come over or their kids' friends come over for dinner, and they all saw everybody standing around the table until mom sat down. It's just little things like that that teach that honor in your home, and it makes a huge difference. So look for ways for honor to build it into the culture of your home. Parents, you know, it begins with us and our tone that we talk with our spouses. And uh, our kids, like they said, will pick up on that and see that tone of honor that you do. And a lot of times we can focus on behavior modification. And of course, when kids are little, you know, it's hard to explain things sometimes. They do just need to obey. But it takes time to intentionally teach our kids. And so I remember as a child, Gail and I, my twin sister, we were either four or five, but we had gone to the grocery store. And this one time, um, well, every, every time we went to the grocery store, we always wanted candy, like most kids. And there was this big bowl of Brock's candy And this one time, Gail and I grabbed each a handful of candy and shoved it in our pockets. My mom did not know. And we got home, and we obviously knew we did something wrong because we snuck under the kitchen sink, and we started eating it. And we could hear our mom calling around the house, Jill, Gail, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And so then all of a sudden, she opens up the cabinet doors, and there we were with candy stuffed in our mouths and wrappers all over the place. Well, she immediately said, okay, girls, we are marching back over to the grocery store and go get your piggy banks because you're going to go pay for that. So here Gail and I go to the grocery store, and I'm sure my mom then must have taken the manager. I remember her knocking on the little manager's door, and she talked to him for a couple of minutes, and then he came out, and very sternly he said, wow, that was just terrible. I need your money. And Gail and I gave him our money. And then he gave us each a broom. And I went on aisle three and she went on aisle four. And we swept a little bit. And then on the way home, my mom said, now you're never going to do that ever again, are you? And we're like, no, we're never going to do that again. So that was a defining moment. It took a lot of time, but it was important for her not just to you know, say, oh, ask God to forgive you or it's okay. Don't do it again. She actually made us go back and deal with it. And I thought that was really good. Yeah, and you build that honor, um, and, and it's kind of the center of our faith. You know, um, we all have sinned and fallen short, and being able to bestow grace on your child as much as, pon- as possible, that is, that's what we want to do. You know, God did not punish us, no, but he sent his son. So I just think you keep that in mind. So the next one in 1 Corinthians 13 is love is not self-seeking, and it's not easily angered. And we all come into this life we're all selfish. We all want our own way. But Christ didn't show that, did he? He totally showed selflessness in giving his life for us. So um, if we focus in our families on putting the other person first, a lot of problems really would be solved rather than getting our own way. Um, And the best picture of that, I think, truly is the way we treat and love and talk to our spouses. 
And then you think, you look at the second part of that verse, it's interesting they connect them, but uh, it talks about is not easily angered, and it's actually a, a Greek word that is called for stirring up, like cooking and stirring up. So I think we can all relate as parents, how often do we get stirred up with our kids, but I think controlling your anger in the home is probably one of the most important emotions that you need to bridle in your home. Um, you look at uh, the verse in a little bit we're going to look at in verse 4 that is directly directed specifically to fathers to not provoke your children to anger. And I think how you react when things happen in your home and can control your anger is so important. You know, for us as kids, especially as our girls got their driver's license, for some reason they had a magnet between their, their, their uh, cars and our garage doors. There was just something about... Um, time and time again, I think each girl hit her garage door or let the garage door come down on their car, you know? So, um, you know, so it, depending, you know, it costs us money, but again, reality discipline, putting that on them, um, as well as costing time, how you respond to that. And you have to really say, why am I getting stirred up here in anger? You know, what is that the core of my anger? Was it an accident? Was it due to irresponsibility on my child's part? Was it purposeful? And we talked about you have to address that last week. Um, again, let reality discipline take place and don't get angry, but we can let it go. We can, we, 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 we can't let it go. You have to address the issue at hand. Um, the next one is um, love keeps no record of wrongs. And so none of us really like to especially if we've asked for forgiveness to have our wrongs brought back up again. And so as parents, you know, not to say, well, you did that before last year, July, you know, 12th, 2019, when you did such and such, you know, I mean, nobody likes that. God doesn't do that to us. As we talked about last week, he, he forgives us from the East to the West. And so we shouldn't keep reminding our kids or our spouses really of their wrongs. There's really no benefit in that. And it really only brings shame and it doesn't bring glory, glory to the Lord. And then the next one, um, we'll spend some time on. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. So when we look at teaching your child to not delight in evil and rejoice in the truth, we have to step back and think about where do we find truth? You know, for us as Christ followers, we find that truth in the Bible and the scriptures. And so there, that is what we specifically um, want to uh, look at today and give you some things to spiritually develop your child. So here, I made reference to this. Here's Ephesians 6, 4. And you see Paul saying, Fathers, again, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So if you look at the Greek words for discipline and instruction, it kind of translate into taking action related to discipline and then also verbal words or using words uh, for instruction. So the, in, when you look at the word discipline, actually it's the same Greek word used in Hebrews 12, 6, where it says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And that chastens word is the same Greek word. So when you look at, uh, I guess, correction action is so important to, for your children. Again, we said you can't let things go, but be consistent to direct your child in the way that they should go and to get them back on track. And again, again, done in love and never done in anger. And then that word, um, you know, instruction is a verbal word and being able to instruct your children 
words to use and to look at in the scriptures and to teach your children how to love like Jesus loved. So let's look at a few things, practical things we can do to develop our children spiritually, both by our actions and our words. And so last week in, in that little phrase that we gave you about behavior, our, our behavior really has the biggest impact in our homes. And so we need to place a lot of emphasis on the way we are. And do, do our kids see us? Do they see our spiritual development? Because it does start with us. So are we living out in our homes what we really believe? Are we showing love? Are we being patient? Are we doing all of these things? Are we acting kindly or are we different outside of our homes? Are we nicer to other people than we are to our own kids? You know, because God wants us to live out what we really are in him in our homes first. And then it comes naturally outside of our homes. Our homes are really our training ground. And I think, um, you know, our girls would tell you, and I think Abby has even shared this in her life group in her church, is they always have to tell their life story. And one of the things they always say is what they noticed in Jill, that Jill has a special place in, her ha- in our house where um, she has, you know, her Bible, and, and they watched her in the mornings make, um, and again, when kids were younger, it was a little, little bit different. You had to find that time, maybe not in the morning, but they noticed that Jill made a priority of spending time with God. And there are other intentional ways. Um, there's a guy in our church named Isaac Greer that I've noticed. He, um, he's done a few, th- he, he has three boys. And so something he's done very intentionally with all three of his boys, boys is when they hit a certain age, and he just did it this past summer with Josh. I don't know how old Josh is, probably eight to 10 or 12 maybe. I think he's going into sixth grade. Sixth grade. So. For each of his boys, he took them away for a fun weekend, but then he went through this curriculum called Passport to Purity, and he really talked to the boys about um, sexual purity, but also just how to treat girls. And so having that intentionality to take his boys away and, and teach him before, you know, before they hear it either online or in the locker room you know, um, is something really good for you fathers to think about doing with your son. And even I think this summer he took his, I think he, um, he's going into his junior year, but took some other fathers and sons did this stepping into manhood is what it's called. So taking that intentionality with your sons is really important. Even, you know, I think November here we're doing um, that pure adventure. Fathers and sons can go out and play paintball and eat really good, but then there is time that you have with your son to be able to talk through that. So you as fathers, some intentional ways you can do that spiritual behavior is really important. And just having normal rhythms in your home, as simple as praying before your meals, you know, acknowledging the Lord, thankfulness, as we sang this morning, you know, praising him. And um, as it says in Deuteronomy chapter six, I love those verses in eight and nine where it talks about, you know, as you walk and as you talk, just always bringing up the Lord, that he's a part, he's the main part of our family. So just to keep him inside of our homes with those things, with rhythms. And then teaching and reading the Bible with your kids. And for us, we tag teamed on that a lot. And we did that before bed. That was our rhythm. But, you know, your homes, every home looks different. But that is really important to have that as one of your your daily rhythms. Yeah, for us, it was just our nighttime with our girls and being able to sit down with them wherever they were age-wise and just getting God's word into their their, uh, minds and their hearts. And so having that 
rhythm of do you do it then or do you do it in the morning? Or as our kids got older, we did it around the dinner, t- dinner table sometimes. But thinking about how do you build that rhythm of t- getting God's word into their life. And one of the rhythms for us, I think, was falling asleep. Yeah, I fell asleep many a times. Uh, <laughs> I'd go upstairs and I'm like, where's Dave? And it's 2 a.m. And he had fallen asleep yeah. next to one of the kids. I'm sure you guys can relate to that. So um, also is the village. So, you know, the church is a village. This is a spiritual place that, that we can help develop, each, you know, each other's children um, together. And so our children's ministry is fantastic. And they care about your kids. And so a lot of us are a part of that in here. Yeah, we have a, just a video to show um, just how a specific children's ministry can do that with your child. So watch this. You can talk to Pastor Anthony next week, but that's not what we don't teach that song in our children's ministry. Maybe we should. Um, but we just thought that was really funny. And then also, we have a fabulous student ministry. And just to say, you know, to have another voice in your life during those years, especially the teen years, because sometimes our kids don't think we're as cool as some of these other people. And so each of our girls had people in this church. Our oldest, Abby, had Sonia O'Brien. Alyssa had Kristen Brandon and Kristen Atkinson. Avery had Misty Jamison. Mike and Beth were amazing role models to our kids. And and so um, it's really important to have those extra people then. And then another thing, just to challenge moms and dads, um, when our girls were 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, I took the girls um, out to Starbucks, or I had them over to our home, their friends. And these are some of these things you learn. But with Abby, I had her lost friends, because we talk an awful lot about accepting Christ and needing Christ. And so the people we had invited in our first little 6th grade group were her friends from school that weren't believers. And so I would just say that that wasn't the best group to start with. The group to start with was then we learned... Alyssa's group were kids from the church and parents from the church that were teaching their kids the same things, and Avery as well. So we did that in 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, used different tools that are out there. I remember Girls of Grace, prayer things, just using the Bible. And so that was really great to be a part of that. And then to just hand them off with someone that we knew was going to talk about the Lord and hear our kids and some things maybe they didn't want to necessarily share with us at that time. So our church was such a blessing at that time, and we still have that going on here. And I think um, another thing I would highly suggest in our student ministry is if you can get your student involved in San Antonio and going on mission trips, it's phenomenal. And I think I was able to go down this summer 
um, to, to just be there for a few days. And you see our students serve and work alongside each other, but then, um, you know, the spiritual progress they make, being able to, you know, be in a homeless shelter and walk up and share Christ with a homeless guy or a homeless gal and to pray for them. You talk about spiritual development. I mean, there's nothing better. So, you know, a lot of churches take their kids skiing and take, our, take their kids to the beach. Our church takes them and works. I mean, down in San Antonio. And I'm telling you, it totally changes their life. So um, just something to think about when your, stu- your students get into that age, getting them involved in serving is so, so crucial. And then I would just say, we talk about life groups all the time, um, but there's something about your family participating together with other families that shows the value of and and can benefit from the spiritual. Your kids watch that emphasis that you make life group a priority and and you participate together. So a couple months ago, it's been now that I was able to go over and uh, um, one of our life groups, the Danell and Beck life group, um, had um, Austin and Miranda Woodall's son get baptized. And to see that life group participate, we want to just show you that video so it's, because it's so cool. All right, super exciting day. So called, called, you gave your life to Christ over a year ago, and you've been asking to get baptized. And so we're here today to baptize you. Are you ready? Yes. All right, put your... Put your hand and hold your wrist. All right? Cole, because you've given your life to Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised by the power of his resurrection. So that's so cool. Being able to have that participation as a life group and to see that and the other kids watching and, and uh, you know, the parents being there to support you. Yes. And, and what's fun for us now is with our adult kids, it's so cool to hear Abby talking about her small group and how she shared things. And just the other week, um, I asked her to pray for me and she prayed for me. And I'm sorry to get emotional by that, but these full circle things are great. And Alyssa and Ronnie work with the youth here. And it's so, those prayers that you've prayed for your kids since they were little, just to see it rubbing off, that the Lord has been faithful with that is, is Yeah, and I think thing. just seeing, um, like, Abby get with his girls, the other ladies in the life group the other week, and just being able to say, oh, man, I'm, we're having another child. It's a boy this time. And having some other ladies just you know, have input in that and encourage and strengthen her. Having that in your life is so important, you know, to have that uh, influence. And then I would say just um, serving together. You know, we talk about that. um, But there's something about your child seeing you serve. And if you can, um, you know, we've been talking about getting ready for the fall and Sunday mornings and, and Wednesday nights, the Kids Life program, it, it is great when your child sees you make a priority and even serve with their group. And uh, it, was made, it was made really impactful for me again this summer because I went to kids camp a couple days. Um, and I saw, um, it was a phenomenal camp, but what impressed me so much was I hung out with a lot of the guy leaders. So these guys take a week of vacation you know, and, it's spent, and, and are in the groups that their son are, is in, 
plus the impact they have on all the other groups. But, but the relational aspect, so, you, you know, Isaac's there, Matt Donnell, Scott Stepter, uh, Josh Martin. Um, there were girls there, too. Well, but I just hung around with the guys. But to see the iron sharpening iron between the guys, between the fathers, because they all put that priority for a whole week to go with their sons and their buddies and to see them have that impact, but there's a relationship built that those guys, those fathers can actually, you know, talk to each other about what, what might happen with their kids. And so that's another benefit I really think of that. Yes, and, and it rubs off on kids. Around this church, early on, and it went through years and years and years, I can remember seeing Amy Haley, like the mother duck, with her two little girls, Eliza and Emery, behind her, wherever she went, and whatever she did, they did. And then the Bierga children, they would be cutting things out with their mom and their dad, and Linda would be explaining to her kids. And then week after week, I mean, we see the Coles, and they're always wearing their uniform, you know, every single week. But their kids are with them and helping them, and they're, you just can't pay for that. I mean, that's just a beautiful thing. And they're speaking with their behavior, not just their words, like serve the Lord, but they're showing it. And I, I don't know, I just think that that makes a... A big difference. Yeah, it's, it's neat to see those kids get older and, and then participate with their parents in serving in the church. So, you know, one thing I think as our children get older, you know, who our kids are hanging out is probably the most important thing your kids, uh, for your kids as they get older. You know, you hear, I hear this phrase a lot, of it, a lot of times, your playground and your playmates are the most important thing as your kids get older. Playground, where they're hanging out, playmates, who they're hanging out with. And anything you can do to put them in the right playground and direct them in the right playmates is crucial. And, you know, for, for us, the church was that place. We knew it was a good playground, and we knew they would be rubbing elbows with good playmates. So just something to think about. And then lastly, this last love in verse 7 Paul gives us first four always always this to do, I guess you'd say. Now, and the first one is love always protects, and probably, you know, that's just keeping bad things out. And in our day and age, in our culture, um, between social media and friends, um, we have to protect our children, you know. And we're not going to get this exactly right all the time, but. One thing I would suggest is that you err on the side of too much protection. You know, it is easier to grant more freedom later than to take it away, you know? And freedom, you know, what's interesting is it's not based upon age. So you think about when do I give my kid a cell phone? You know, um, it's really not based upon age. You really have to look at the, their maturity and where, when their ability to handle that kind of responsibility. But sometimes you gotta, you got to stand your ground for that protection to happen. Yeah, and it's okay, you know, for your child not to like you for a little bit. I'm sure my kids probably didn't like me sometimes with that. And it's easy to want our child's approval all the time, and, but that's not really the most important thing. We have been called to instruct and teach our children the ways of God. And so we have to protect that and put boundaries about that and what's best for them in the and, long term. And I would, I added this to protection. I saw this phrase one day that I thought was really good is that our children need our presence more than our presence. You know, and I think a lot of times we sacrifice going up the corporate ladder, 
making a lot of money, and we can buy her daughter of BMW when she turns 16. But I think long term, they, she would have rather had me more present than given her great presence. Yes. So being present with our kids really is important. And I do think that we can get distracted as adults and we can model behavior of being distracted and not really listening. It's hard to multitask, listen to our kids, be on our phone, be on our computers and things like that. And quality time is just as important as quantity time. And quality happens out of the quantity. So, you know, that old song back in the 70s, um, the cats in the cradle and the silver spoons, little boy blue and the man on the moon. When you're coming home, son, I don't know when, but we'll get together then, Dad. You sure will have a good time then. We don't want that song. Being that was sung. pretty good. Thank you, honey. Jason. <laughs> Jason sang a couple weeks. You guys ought to do a duet <laughs> one of these Sundays. That was pretty good. I was like that. But again, um, low this morning like Gail. Yeah, like she is low. Yes, yes. All right, let's jump to the next always. Always trust. You know, um, you know, and I would just say, you know, we just talk about, you know, always start with trust with your children until that trust is broken. Trust them initially. And then and when the trust is broken, we talked about this last week, um, work on getting that relationship that's broken restored and, um, and look at that in your discipline. But so important to, to um, trust each other, but again, your goal is to restore that trust if it's broken. And then it says, and always hopes. So we hope our faith behavior, what we're showing and what we're doing and where our heart is, is rubbing off on our kids. And we hope that it will continue to influence our kids, not as little ones, but as adults. And so that we always have influence in their life. And God doesn't call us because we are wise or because we are faithful but because he is wise and he is faithful. And we are going to fail, and we did fail many, many times. But God says, you know, never give up hope because Jesus really, he really is our hope in the way we raise our kids. And related to that, um, you know, building hope in your home, you know, we found out um, you're going to have bad memories in your parenting. Like we did many a time. We go think about, boy, that was bad. Um, but it's really good to offset those bad memories with good memories. And so Jill and I really tried to prioritize budgeting for a vacation. Um, just, you know, having times where we can build good memories. My parents were very generous. They got a beach house every summer in Myrtle Beach. And we prioritized being able to go back there and just hang out because my girls still talk about getting in the van, driving from Pennsylvania to Myrtle Beach. And, and those memories were really good. And then what we did, just our own families, um, just build those memories. And even little things like um, our family likes to eat. Our family like, as you can tell from my waistline. But we really like trying new places out. You know what I mean? And, and so there's something about traditions of, hey, let's try this place. And, and, or, you know, birthdays, we, Uncle Julio's and opening up the chocolate pinata. That's just a tradition. You know what I mean? And so being able to build that kind of good memory is, memories. And then, you know, just creating fun. Uh, some of the things I did as a father uh, when my kids were young, Abby, I guess... The one time, I can't believe I did this, but when she was like, I guess, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, the big thing then was for kids to go around and teepee their friends' houses, you know? Being the fun dad I wanted to be, 
I agreed to be the driver for TPA Kids Home. And so I just, I can't, you know, I didn't know it was against the law. And if we're any police, so here I am, you know, I have a, a horrible memory of kids jumping in the truck and I'm driving away and I've got a father chasing me down with a baseball bat driving away, and I, I can see his local pastor thrown in jail because of TP. So, but you talked to Abby? You that's, did apologize. Though. I did. He I went go back, back and apologized so. to it. But to think, but Abby, that's the one thing she'll remember. Oh, dad driving the truck when we TP people's houses, you know? And I'm like, I can't believe I did that. But, I mean, again, it's just trying to, you know, have those fun times and create those opportunities for fun. And then the last one is that it always perseveres. So the thing is, as someone once told me, if you're in a bad spot with your kid right now, picture them five years from now, you know, because we all go through bad seasons and times. So never give up. Aim for future influence. There are no perfect parents. There's no perfect kids. There's no perfect families, but we do have a perfect God. We will make mistakes. Don't be afraid to say, I'm sorry and apologize. I think that's very, very huge when we mess up. And then give yourself permission to grow. You know, we have to be intentional about this. We have God's word. Jesus is modeling all the things he said, all the things in the New Testament. In Proverbs, there's a lot of great things for parents in there too. But there's books out there. There's podcasts. There's so much that we have at our disposal to, to really grow in our walk as parents. And just remember, you know, the statement Jesus makes of the Great Commission before he leaves this earth you know, he promises that he will be with us always. So, I mean, there were times in our parenting where we were like, oh, this is unbelievable. And, um, you know, going back to that verse and say, he will never leave us. Um, he will never forsake us. And, um, you know, I think just holding on to that. And like Jill said, think about what could be in the next five years. But um, God is with us in all those moments, even on your worst parenting day, um, God's never going to walk away from you and not guide you. Um, and the best thing, you know, we can do is hit our knees. I'm telling you, and uh, to ask God for help with that. Yeah, there, there was a group that was started here about six uh, years ago by Ashley Schrader, Moms in Prayer. And that group has meant so much to me personally. So it's on the website. We're going to start it up again. But I mean, you can have little kids. You could be a grandmother. You could be just an influencer of a neighbor or you know, whatever, but you could be on there and pray. We're going to do it by Zoom probably again. And it, that really filled my cup and knowing that there were other people that I could confide in during certain seasons, um, praying for my kids. So that, that has been a blessing. Yeah. So as we think, finish up today, I think, and you think about always persevering, um, you know, it's worth it with your kids. I mean, it's worth, um, remember parenting is a calling, you know, it's a big calling on your life. And the most significant thing you may do with your life is not something you do, but someone you raise. And you just have to continually think about that when you have all these things in our culture prioritizing your life. And again, getting ahead of that and um, really understanding where my priority is and the difference I can make in raising a child that honors God and again, wants to be with you. And so be with you in the future when they have a choice and um, being able to still provide that influence all through their lives. So related to prayer, we wanted to kind of close today 
by um, just having a word of prayer over you. So um, Jill's going to have a word of prayer over all the ladies, and then I want the guys to have a prayer. Uh, I want to pray over you guys. So if you're a lady, whether you have kids or not, um, love for you to stand up, and Jill just wants to, so all the ladies, please stand, and Jill's just going to have a word of prayer over you, and uh, no matter where you are. Dear Lord, thank you for each and every woman in this audience, whether they're a mom, whether just a, a mentor, an influencer. Father, you've called all of us um, to share you with the people that we can influence in our lives. I pray for moms of young children right now that are taxed and are tired. I pray for teens in our homes, Father, maybe ones that aren't making good choices. I ask for those moms to have wisdom when to speak, when not to speak, and to just show love and care and, and Father, grace. I, I pray for our, the adult children in this room, Father. I pray for um, kids that older parents are, are very burdened for because they don't know if their child is walking with you or if they even know you, Father. We know that, that we all make mistakes. So, God, I just pray that today each and every woman will see today is a new day and not to give up and that there's always time in this life to start anew and to just start a relationship with you if they don't have a relationship you with you father if there's someone in here that doesn't today and then lord um, just for each and every person that we will just glorify you in our lives and you're god we're not so we just are asking you father we're giving you our children we're giving you these children that you've allowed for us to influence in our lives and we thank you god God, for the model and sending your son Jesus and how he loved so perfectly, Lord. So we just ask for us to lean into you and lean on the promises of your word, Father. You are faithful and our hope, Jesus, is in you. In your name we pray. All right, guys, if you would stand, I just want to pray over you. Uh, Father God, I thank you for these men and whether they're a parent yet or not, uh, Lord, we pray that uh, something we've said the last two weeks will be something they can put in their heart, stick in their back pocket, and um, be a learner, um, Lord, for them. Um, and I just pray for the men in here. Maybe they're parenting young children, and Lord, just trying to find that direction and dealing with discipline. Lord, I just pray you give them wisdom and guidance to control that emotion of anger. Uh, and for the men that are, have teenagers, Lord, it's such a volatile time, such a, a tough time in our culture to be able to direct young men in, a, in godly ways. And so I just pray for wisdom for them to, to not exasperate their children, but to teach them and instruct them, show them what to do and teach them your word. Uh, and I just pray for the grandfathers here and the impact they have on the little ones and even the future, their, their kids as they try to raise them. I pray for that. Um, and Lord, I pray for single parents, whether they're a single mom or a single dad, um, just the influence uh, they can have and especially using the village um, to help raise their children because as a single parent, it's just tough doing it by yourself. And so being able to, to tap into that village, into life groups, into the children's ministry, into the student ministry to help raise their children in a godly home, Lord, we just pray for them to, to um, use that and to use that uh, village to help raise their uh, godly kids. And we see examples of that, Lord. We praise you for the single parents we have in our church that do that. And we just thank you for that. So we just thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to be together, to talk about parenting. 
we pray that, again, we will use this village that we are in to help raise children that will make a difference in people's lives for eternity because that's what it's all about. And so we just thank you and praise you for our time together. Just pray again you would direct our paths in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.